This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He is Justin Ray from the 21st Group. And before we get into breaking down this past weekend's Olympics, breaking down this upcoming week's WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, a little note for you guys. As we've alluded to the last few weeks, we are moving this golf show. It's going to have its own podcast feed effective immediately. So if you want to keep listening to me and Jay Ray break down tournaments every week, and yeah, that's an easy answer. Of course you do. You'll need to subscribe to the all-new podcast feed. The name of it, Links and Locks. How good is that? Props to our producer, Matt Mitchell, for that name. And don't worry, finding the new feed is so easy. Just click the new Apple podcast link in this episode's description, which will let you follow the all-new Links and Locks podcast for all of our new golf betting episodes starting next week, or just search for links and locks wherever you like to listen on behalf of Justin, myself, and our producer, Matt. Thanks so much for listening, for helping us grow the show to enormous proportions. And we look forward to seeing you next week and hearing from you guys on the links and locks podcast. Jay Ray. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Links and locks. I, I love I like the, the name. Confidence in the title. Confident title. You throw locks in. I mean, no pressure here, Sobel. Let's we we gotta we gotta give the people some winners. More of a bagels and locks guy myself, but links and locks is uh, I I think it's a good title, and I I think this thing's gonna continue joke. to grow. I, I approve. That was good. Yeah, uh, well done by Matt. So yes, uh, uh, sorry to hijack the uh, uh, the first ninety seconds or so of this pod, but that's important <laughs> stuff for everybody that listens on a regular basis. We appreciate you. We thank you for your listenership, and we don't want to lose you. So. Make sure that you, uh, like I said, go to go to the uh, links and locks uh, link and podcast and, uh, and download it, or you can go to uh, our own podcast feed. So uh, let's get into what's going on in the world. Uh, some Olympic golf this past week. Before we get into uh, the festivities this week in Memphis, uh, uh, thoughts? What, what what was your takeaway? What you think? Seven man playoff for the bronze. Xander finally breaks through with a victory for the first time in two and a half years. What do you think of everything? So the Xander win is great, but the lead story to me is obviously Slovakia, the pride of Slovakia. Come on. A six, a 61 to remember for the ages. Just, I mean, it was an unbelievable performance. Give Rory Sabatini all the credit in the world. I mean, it had been kind of a, kind of a throwaway, unique, fun story. It had gained some popularity in corners of the golf internet you know, about Rory Sabatini switching his nationality and becoming a citizen of Slovakia. His wife is from Slovakia, um, and it helped him put himself in a better position to go to the Olympics. Credit the guy. He took full advantage of it. He won a silver medal. He went out and lit it up in the final round. Shot 61, the lowest in the storied history, lowest around the storied history of Olympic golf. Obviously, that record book isn't, you know, too voluminous. But um, I thought a lot of elements of it were great. I think it was a lot. It reminded me a lot of 2016 where – there was Zika in 2016. There's apprehension among the world's best players to yep. go, right? We had some, some key names in the sport decide not to go. And then once the guys actually got there and the golf got started, 
the tone about it totally changed. And you're like, wow, this is really cool. I'm playing for my country. This is something completely unlike anything else I get to experience in my career in professional golf. I thought the golf course was immaculate. I, I would love to see another tournament there. I'm glad we get to see the women there this week. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna, it was just an outstanding venue. Would have loved to see fans there, obviously. That was a little bit of a drawback. But, you know, what an unbelievable final round. I, would, I stayed up until the very end. I was, you know, nodding off at parts of it because <laughs> big weekend here at the house. I had my folks in town to see the grand, their grandson. And, but nothing was going to stop me from staying up till it was probably, what, 2.30 in the morning here in Austin when it ended. So um, I thought it was terrific. I wonder what you think. Uh, yeah, so I got to 345, by the way. I made the second playoff hole of, for the bronze medal before I just dozed off. I, I couldn't go any further than that. Yeah. But Full disclosure, yeah. I tapped out. After Xander Xander won, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch the highlights of the playoff in the morning. Yeah. Just, he tapped in, you tapped out. Is that a gas? Yeah. yeah um, no, I, look, I, I liked it. Um, I, I thought everything was really well done uh, for the most part. Um, I'd like to see another component to it. I think we're going to get into that in a few minutes. Um, what else can be done to make this even more special and more memorable? I think some of the comments from guys like Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy and Paul Casey and Xander Shoffley himself, who won the gold medal, uh, I think that that will help maybe in three years, maybe in seven years, the next time golf is in the Olympics. Uh, at some point, I do think that when you qualify, you go play. That uh, I think it's going to be one of these things, especially – Seven years from now, I believe it's being played at Riviera um, when it's being held in L.A. And so uh, I think that it's going to be very much like getting onto a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup team where you qualify for it. And so far, we haven't had anyone say, no, thanks. I'm just going to you know, take some downtime. I would compare it. I was thinking about this the other day. When the WGCs began in the late 90s, there was some apprehension and some limits, some fields in the beginning of the world golf championships mm-hmm. that weren't great. There was the match play one year where Kevin Sutherland ended up winning, where a lot of the top guys didn't play. Um, there was, I know there was uh, one year early on. They were not the year they were in Valderrama, but I think they were in Ireland somewhere. No, there was one in Australia. I'm sorry to backtrack a little bit. Yes. They were in Australia. They couldn't get a real strong field. I think there was some hesitancy to buy in initially to the world golf championship format pro golfers, not the, the creatures that have it, right? Like most professional athletes, but really golfers are. And it takes a little bit of time to break them out of that out of that mold. I think just look, we've only had two of these, right? And so if if it was to happen, you know, we get more of this four years, eight years down the road. I'm with you. I think it's gonna be a thing where, you know, once once we're gonna see more buy-in. It just takes a little bit of time. And hopefully we get to the point, like you said, where if it's it's like the Ryder Cup or President's Cup, you make it, you're going. And I like that segue into my follow-up about what you were saying about Rory Sabatini, because I get it. We're all joking. You know, he's from South Africa. Okay. He's representing Slovakia. Does he even know the national anthem? Ha, ha, ha. We're all joking about it. But quite frankly, for an event that a lot of players qualified for and just said, eh, nah, I'm not really into it. That's okay. Uh, Rory went through a lot of red tape, a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy just to get citizenship from Slovakia. I, this was not, I think we're making it sound like, Hey, he just showed up in Tokyo to play in the Olympics. He's like, I'm from Slovakia now. And they said, okay, you're in, I guess. And he won a silver medal. That's there was a lot more to this. This was years of planning that went into it. And so I, I give him all the credit in the world for, for going about it um, the way that he could. He's, he's married to a, a woman from Slovakia. 
so it's not like he just picked a country and said, I'm going to go represent you. And so I, I have absolutely no problem with it. They mentioned on the broadcast, by the way, that her cousin, I believe it is, is the head of the Slovakian Golf Federation, which I, I believe is how all this has been tied together. And hey, that's okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's all family. And so uh, no problem with it whatsoever. So I, I want to offer an, a personal anecdote for me too, that, you know, kind of talks about how this happens at the Olympics a lot, right? Yes. This is something I've got a, a guy I played baseball with growing up. His name's Ira Brown. Okay. He, um, he, he <laughs> hilariously, he threw like 98 and I was the number two pitcher and I threw about 20 miles an hour slower. <laughs> Ira got drafted by the Royals later that year. I did not, I did not. I don't know if the news flash, I did not get drafted, but anyway, he went, played professional baseball for a few years. Then he went and played basketball at Gonzaga. So after he left Gonzaga, he's had a really successful professional basketball career in Japan. Met a Japanese woman, fell in love, married her. Iris gained Japanese citizenship. And he kind of had a little bit of a viral moment a few days ago when people turned on discovered the 3x3 basketball. Iris playing for Japan. Iris from Corsicana, Texas. He grew up... My man and me were at a, on a baseball field in 2001 in Magnolia, Texas. Like, he's playing for Japan in the Olympics. Now, <laughs> life is a long, winding road, right? And you can find different ways to, to align yourself and, and find yourself immersed as part of a country or, or whatever. You know, the road is long in life, right? And this happens to some athletes. Like, Iris speaks Japanese. He's married a Japanese woman. He's been, you know, he's represented Japan in global basketball events for years and years. Like, it wasn't just some you know, flight a night thing, but look, it's kind of a little bit like Rory Sabatini. Like he's flown under, he's played under the South African flag for a very long time, but you know, I, I know it's kind of been a silly thing and we've gone back and forth, but I'm with you. Like the guy really wanted to be part of this and he was, and he made the most of it. That is such a cool story. And I got to tell you that I was watching three on three basketball a few days ago and I saw the Japanese team and I'm like, wow, they're really good. And he doesn't really look Japanese. There's got to be a cool story there. And so I Googled his name and found a story, I believe it was on Yahoo, that was written last week, all about his journey, which is a wild and crazy journey. He's become very successful, like you said, and it's a yeah. great story. And I wouldn't want to see anyone take that away from him. I'm a big soccer guy, personally. In soccer, kids will be 16, 17, about to choose their international eligibility and they might say, well, I live in the United States, but my mom is from Mexico and my great grandfather is from Germany. And so I've got to choose between these three countries and they choose. And once they get a cap, once they're uh, they have an international appearance, they're basically locked into that country. But uh, this happens, like you said, in just about every other sport. So the fact that it's happened now in golf, uh, we can sit here in our own little corner of the world and go, that's so weird. He's not really from Slovakia. Uh, guess what? You know, it, it's going to happen more in the future as well. So uh, I think we have to get used to it. So I had no problem with that. And uh, we didn't really mention Xander that much, but great win for Xander Shoffley. Uh, obviously, you tell this one meant a lot to him. I think that maybe just the facial expression at the end, you, you might have been a little more relieved than uh, than ecstatic uh, just in the very moment because he kind of tapped in that winning putt. It was like, all right, I can exhale a little bit. You know, there wasn't a big celebration, yeah. but afterwards he, he seemed like he was, uh, he was overjoyed. The fact that he won his father uh, and wanted to be an Olympian and uh, was in a car accident and uh, that hurt his career. So he was never able to do it, but Xander Shoffley now a gold medal winner. Uh, and, and, you know, I, look, if you bet Xander last week, congratulations. I I've been saying for a while that Xander Shoffley's odds and, and I love his game. 
He's the, the prototypical. And uh, my buddy Carl Paulson used this on PGA Tour Radio the other day. He's like a five-tool player in baseball. He does everything like, really, yeah. really well. And I think that Xander Shoffley could be the number one player in the world at some point in the not-too-distant future. But for a guy that hadn't won in two and a half years, I had a problem going at eight to one or so to bet him outright. So I, I wasn't on Xander, but for those of you out there that were on Xander, congratulations. And uh, did you get anything last week? Any good ones? I wasn't too deep into the Olympic betting, uh, not, mm. not too involved. Going back to Xander, I think that one of the reasons why maybe we harp on the other storylines is because it's kind of expected, right? This is the kind of thing we expect out of a guy who is this talented. And the five-tool player is a perfect analogy. He's like a Mookie Betts, you know, Mike Trout type guy, whereas, you know, everything he does on the golf course is well above average, well above average through the bag. So, um, yeah, like I said, I think the fact that it wasn't, you know, story 1A maybe even wasn't the winner this week. And, you know, and there were other things that we talked about first. It, it speaks to what we expect out of Xander Shoffley. And, you know, obviously more of this to come. He's been one of the best players at the U.S. Open um, since he made his debut. Five straight top tens to start his U.S. Open career. So um, I fully expect him to be a major champion and wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if he's world number one someday. Five minutes, five questions you never asked. I got to be honest with you. I get a little irritated when somebody calls me away from my golf. This is Five Under. We're going to get to the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, but my five questions for you this week, Jay Ray, are all Olympics related. So let's make that smooth segue right here and get into Absolutely. our questions. All right. Got some trivia for you. I've got some, uh, some thought-provoking questions. We'll see. Uh, all right. Number one, if you'd make any tweak, one tweak to the current golf format in the Olympics, what would it be? So there's all kinds of ideas been bandied about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the idea of a mixed team event is really appealing. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things about the Olympics, though, if they introduce a new sport, they tend to, you know, ask the leaders of the sport, okay, what is the format for your most elite competition? So obviously basketball, the measurements are, it's FIBA rules, but it's essentially the same game we see in the NBA, uh, same for like baseball or softball in the Olympics, swimming, et cetera. Golf, a 72-hole event. I know it's kind of cookie-cutter. It feels kind of wonder bread, but I don't know. Is, is, do we keep it that way? Is match play – it always sounds good in theory, but truly like after day one, day two, is that a better measurement of who the best golfer in the world is at that time to win that gold medal? I'm kind of in the minority, I know. I think I'm keeping it at 72 holes. Mm. I think I'm keeping it at 72 hole stroke play because that's what we play the major championships as um, and have for, you know, since the PGA switched uh, from match play, obviously a long, long time ago. So there's all kinds of interesting things on the table for sure. And I know this isn't going to be a popular response, but I think I keep it at 72 hole stroke. play. I, I value that uh, response right there. I, I would like to see a team component, but Anytime we try to make changes to something, anytime we all say, oh, why doesn't the PGA Tour do this? Why doesn't the LPGA do that? Why do they do this for the Olympics? I, I think that fans, we as fans of the game, we as media members who watch the game, I, we tend to look at things from our own perspective. Like, what would benefit me? I'm going to sit here and watch this for four straight days. Who, what would, us? How would my enjoyment <laughs> level be greater for this? But we are very low on the food chain. We are low on the totem pole when it comes to uh, the prioritization order of 
who it matters to. And the IOC for this is at the top of that. The international golf federations come next. Then come the TV rights holders. Then come probably the players somewhere in there. And then comes us. And we have to understand that, look, this isn't necessarily just for our enjoyment to sit back and go, hey, entertain us. Go do something really fun. Um, There's a lot more that's to it. I, for all I know, and you know, I, I don't know anyone with the IOC and I would love to have him on the podcast right now and talk to him and ask him, you know, what do you think about golf and how has it worked the last two Olympics? And do you think it can grow and be bigger? For all I know, the IOC might be sitting there right now. We're all sitting there with, you know, Hey, we love golf and Xander. That was really cool. And Rory Sabatini and what a great event and seven guys in a playoff and you know, all this stuff for all I know, the, the IOC is sitting there going, eh, oh, no, not really feeling it. You guys are talking about team events and mixed events and doing this and doing that. And we're like, eh, I don't know. Didn't really like it. You guys are an hour away from Tokyo. You're not really going to the Olympic Village. I don't know. You don't really feel like part of the games. I have no idea if that's true or not, but we have to look at it from their perspective. So if this is working right now, uh, I tend to agree with you. Like, hey, why fix it if it's not really broken? Uh, but I think they could probably find some sort of team component where they can do both. Uh, I did radio today with Will Haskett. Uh, on hitting the green and um, he had an idea that was sort of like the NCAAs where it would be like, Hey, you play as an individual for 54 holes and then the two best individuals from each country advance into like a, you know, sort of, sort of like nine hole playoff one verse eight, two verse seven, three, six, four, five. And so maybe that would work. Maybe it wouldn't work. I don't know, but uh, I'm, I would love to hear at least thoughts of other ideas, but uh, yeah, I get it that from their perspective, that might not be um, what they're looking for. So, all right, number two, this is based on the golf from this past week. It's probably more of a golf question than an Olympics question, but wives as caddies, new trend? Uh, seems to be kind of prevalent. I mean, it was kind of a unique thing back when Steve Stricker had his wife on the bag. And, I mean, I remember when Patrick Reed first came out on tour and uh, Justine Reed was on the bag. It was kind of a unique thing. I think P. Reed was like the first winner with his wife on the bag in, in quite some time. More of more of a thing probably this week because of the COVID situation, I imagine. There were some caddies who I know Patrick Reed had um, Kevin Kirk on the bag and I know C.T. Pan and his wife on the bag. Not normal circumstances. So, eh, maybe a trend. Uh, uh, two, two medalists? I'm just saying there's probably some PGA Tour wives sitting at home going, hey, why are we paying that guy? If, you know, the wives <laughs> can just carry the bag, we can save about 10%. That's a good uh, point. We're not paying some yeah. guy. I'm just, just throwing it out there. All right. Number three, other than golf, what Olympic event have you watched the most over the last 10 days? I got a little deep into the handball early on Ooh, just so because good. kind of a, just this fascinating mix of soccer and basketball and dudes getting rocked in the face from like four feet away. Like I, they, there was a, there was one moment. I forget the two countries, forgive me, but my man went like midair, full bore, heave, and the goalie is four feet away and just got clocked right in the face. And it was <laughs> the six-year-old in me came out in full force because I rewinded it like three times on the DVR and went back. So I stayed up. I stayed up late. I'm a big basketball guy. I stayed up late to watch Team USA. Uh, I made it through about the first half and had to go to sleep. It's just the timing with the live is tough. Um, but I did. I found myself deep with the handball. Um, uh, I gotta say I, there was some synchronized swimming on I had earlier. Ooh. I mean, uh, kind of fascinating to watch, very artistic and interpretive, a lot of facial expressions and stuff. I wasn't anticipating 
it was okay. more like figure skating, I think, than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then they make the horsies dance, and that's entertaining too. I don't <laughs> I don't know a lot about the sport, but when the horsies start dancing, that's okay. uh, how do they get the horses there? Do they fly the horses to Japan? I guess they have to, right? Why don't the horses win medals? I mean, we're talking about caddies potentially winning medals. Why doesn't the horse get a medal? It, would the medal be like the size of like a Thanksgiving turkey serving plate? No, they get a regular medal. Size appropriate to the... No, I, the weightlifter and the gymnast don't get two different size medals. The horse doesn't get a different size Maybe just size the medal. band that you'd have to put the ribbon, you know, that holds That's the medal. Fair. Maybe that would be bigger. Okay. Yeah. I'll buy that. No, yeah. Pro- Handball is probably my number one answer. So the, there are probably kids in the United States right now who are athletic kids and say, you know what? I'm not playing basketball. I'm going to play handball. That I'm telling you, that sport, I, I don't see how... In 10 years, like that could be like one of the top five sports. Like you just get, it's going to take a while to grow and be successful. But you're telling me you wouldn't go out to watch the whole handball game at the local arena with, you know. Now this does kind of feel like every four years when we get wrapped up in curling at the Winter Mm -hmm. Olympics. And we're like, why is there not more curling? Oh, and this is going to, you know, maybe there's a shit. I get your point though. I mean, this has got more of an athletic more fun to it. I mean, handballs, uh, you take. You know, you want to see, I want to go see LeBron and Giannis play handball against each other and like just, you know, absolutely like essentially dunking on like each other from like outside. Lamar the Jackson out there. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like <laughs> his arm and speed. Yeah. Be unbelievable. How good would that be? All right. Uh, oh, by the way, mine was, was, not is, but my event that I watched the most was women's soccer. And uh, I've now given up after uh, the defeat. Um, yeah, very, loss. very disappointing. Yeah, very yeah. disappointing. Woke up very early Monday morning after after a great Gold Cup victory for the men, then the women lose, like the complete opposite of everything we've come to know about U.S. soccer for the last 20 years. Yeah, tough. This is the first time they lost to Canada in 21 years. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Terrible PK call. I know they agreed with it on the telecast. Terrible call. All right, uh, number four. If you could be an Olympian in any sport, which one would it be? Like realistically, or like I could transform. No, my like bodily. yeah, you want to do your synchronized swimming? You can go do your synchronized swimming with horses or something. I, I mean, I think it would be. I, it'd be really dope to be on a swimming relay team. Like those guys yeah. are amped. Like if you if you got the first leg and you're rooting for your your boys as the as a you know coming down the stretch as the anchor, mm-hmm. um, I think that'd be really cool. As a as a guy, I've look. I've been big my whole life. I've never been fast. I could see myself doing shot put or weightlifting or something mm-hmm. like that. But like as a hundred meter dash, like I've never, come on, that's not, that's not what I was given genetically in terms of, of, of ability. But, you know, realistically, I could see myself as like the discus guy or the shot put guy, but mm-hmm. give me like speed swimming or like the hundred meter dash. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Genetically, I'm, uh, I'm probably going golf. Yeah, because i know that hey win or lose when i'm done i'm heading to a no-cut wgc where i'm like just making money hand over fist so i why not life's pretty good if i can get into the olympics for golf by the way i had a hole in one this weekend i saw on twitter congratulations i have none in my life you now have two i believe i highly recommend them it's really fun the second one's not as cool yeah no i'll take you up on that offer yeah been trying for a while I believe awesome. how many people on Twitter make fun of a shirt being untucked. I was hung over. It's 130 degrees out in central Florida. I, I had the shirt tucked for about a hole and a half. I got to the second fairway. I'm like, I, I can't. I, something needs to breathe somewhere. There's sweat yeah. coming out of every pore. Like I just, 
I, I need it to breathe. Then you're, you're, not out, knowing. you're outdoors in July in Florida. Yeah. I, not knowing, of course, no that someone's going to take a picture of me after a whole, like, I'm not, I, I'm not of the Instagram crowd where it's like, Oh, let me, okay. Well, I made the hole in one. Now let me go pose and let me do, I, I don't know. My hat was on crooked and, you know, I look like a mess and I got sweat all over me. I don't know. And I put the picture up there, whatever. I Dad made an ace. He hooped one and he was fired up about it. All right. Yeah. So deal with the aesthetics yourselves. Exactly. Calm down. Yeah. Just glad no one asked me how many pars I made that day. All right. Number five. True. Not, no follow up. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. Wasn't very good. Uh, one good swing all day. Uh, all right. Let me ask you some trivia because you're a stats geek and you should know right. everything. Fair enough. Uh, some of them are very easy. Some of them are not. And by the way, this was we'll give you a disclaimer. Olympics, Olympics not Olympics, yes. not Does my Olympics. top of my list okay. here in terms right. of, of, of acumen. I'm starting I'm slow. Which, which country has won the most medals all time? United States. Yeah, very good. Which athlete has won the most? Michael Phelps. Okay. Two for two. Name a country that has never won a medal. Never won a medal. Wow. Uh, Solomon Islands. I, I, I don't have them on my list, but I, I'm just I'll trying to, I've it. done the Sporkle, the, you know, the quiz website, Sporkle, mm-hmm. the fill in every country in the world. It was a thing I did until I got them all right. Like at one point when I was at Golf Channel, like killing time, like the yeah. shows. Uh, and I finally, anyway, I was just trying to think of the smallest country I could think of from my mm. time doing that quiz very productive activity everybody very exciting life i lead i have uh albania and bosnia herzegovina written down um yeah you could I, also go back in the record books and find countries that don't exist anymore like yeah antarctica Iraq. is it antarctica it's a continent isn't it also a country i don't know if it's recognized by the ioc as a country well they should gotta recognize solomon islands though i believe are okay we'll go with solomon somewhere islands between, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere between <laughs> I, I can't yeah, dispute Solomon that answer. Right, I will go to the judges. The judges are nodding at me. Yes, they say Solomon Islands. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, which athlete has competed in the most Olympics? It's a guy in dressage. It uh, is. Um, Canadian? Yes. Um, Come on. Ian something? Yes. Ian, I'm not going to get this right. I'm going to say like an Ian I played like high school baseball with or something ian baker finch i don't know the last name no ian i, I think it's miller or millar or something but i was I gonna don't... say leggett but i think that's just that's canada and the bat blue popping yeah. up in my head well ian leggett's so, a golfer but yeah. that was a golfer. uh yeah but that I, that was very very well yeah he's he's competed in 10 um but uh, I, I knew it was I, it's got to be a sport you can play essentially forever and you know horsey dancing horsey dancing <laughs> like yes. earlier all right, last question. So respect into... to that craft. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. No, nah, last one before we get into some actual talk about betting and things like that, because people are fast forward and this is fast. They can, yeah, can you sure. listen to this stuff at like seven times or something? Uh, how much gold is in a gold medal? Oh, man. Um, I'll go. I'll say not a lot. I'll say 28 grams. I believe it's six grams. It's 1.3% oh, wow. of the metal is, is yeah, actually gold. It's like 92% silver. It's more silver than gold. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. More silver than gold. Okay. 
Can I share with you some of my favorite Olympic stats? As you kind of gave me a little bit of a heads up here. Uh, yes, I would love to hear some of your favorites. That was five, right? That was, yeah, it was probably okay, like twelve. All right, so but... this was going. This one was a little viral uh, on the on the on the interwebs over the weekend. Are you asking this is next- trivia? Or are you just giving me your? I'm just going to give you the numbers here. Okay. Maybe I'll All give right. you. I'll, yeah. So Katie Ledecky, 800 meter freestyle, right? She's one of the best swimmers in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. She not only has the fastest ever time recorded in the 800 meter freestyle by a woman she has the 23 fastest times all time <laughs> recorded that's like one of those tiger notes you come up with like yeah, you know, tiger yeah. is the seven best scoring averages in the history of the bga tour whatever yeah 23 best times ever in that in that discipline it's unbelievable number two tiger, tiger tory pines and katie ledecky in the olympics katie ledecky in water yeah, yeah. very yeah, pretty much uh just if you have some time go f- find the 1992 dream team box scores from their games mm-hmm. so the first game against angola poor angola the dream team won did the dudes were asking for their autographs <laughs> after the game dream team won 116 to 48 and the dream team this is the part that blows my mind they only went two for nine from three two for they nine 16 to 48 they shot nine threes they didn't oh even need to shoot threes they had 30 steals in the game michael jordan what? had eight steals he what do you think the, the spread was? Someone came down the court. He just stole it, and then he think, was like, "I can't do this anymore. It's mean." Do you think they like maybe didn't cover the spread? Like the spread was like sixty-eight and a half, and they only won by sixty-eight. That'd be a, that'd be one of the all-timers right there. I gotta, like, you know, that. Angola Angola hits a three at the buzzer to cut it to sixty-eight, and you lose. It's unbelievable. I mean, you've got that action, and I will like one more. Are you familiar with uh, the Chinese dominance in table tennis, Mr. Sobel? uh no not okay all time china and table tennis they have 30 gold medals every other country on the planet combined has five Mm. so that is it's crazy to watch i know people be like oh i play ping pong like it it is not like you playing golf is like tiger woods playing golf compared to you playing ping pong is like you know some of these olympians playing ping pong because it's you can't even see the ball (laughs) no yeah well, there Ridiculous. you go. Chinese table tennis. They're stars at it. Yeah. All right. Let's talk golf. Let's do that. Let's get let's dive away from table tennis and uh, 1992 Angola basketball. WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational this week. Um, if you're doing your own research on this, which I know a lot of people like to do, uh, you're going to have to like kind of cross streams a little bit because uh, they've only played this one for two years, the last two years in Memphis. And if you go back too far with the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, you're going to get to the Bridgestone Invitational stat. So you got to kind of cross over back to 2018 and beyond. Uh, it was the FedEx St. Jude Classic, which of course was at TPC Southwind, the same course they're playing this week. So um, there is data available and there's plenty of it. But uh, I saw you uh, because we had, you know, I guess about an hour before we started doing our podcast. Um, I said, hey, you want to do the pod pretty soon? He said, well, I got to prep a little bit. I said, okay, cool. And so you went to go prep and I went on Twitter. And then all of a sudden I see all these stats just like pouring out of Twitter. And I it's like, shared a couple. Here's this, here's that. And it's like, whoa. And I'm not, no, I'm not giving you crap for, you know, sharing your stats. That's great. Well, yeah, you're, you're, that's certainly well within your reason. But, uh, but one of the stats that you happen to have was, um, a measurement, a, a, an analytics tool that uh, shows just who plays the best golf at TPC Southwind. And, uh, oh, by the way, the ball strikers should have a little bit of an edge this week, huh? 
Yeah, and you put that in, in, you know, quantify it a little bit. Players who win here rank about 29% better in strokes gained approach than the typical PGA Tour winner for the last six winners at TPC Southwind. So when I'm, when I'm making all these numbers, I'm just taking all the events at TPC Southwind, not the, um, not the WGC FedEx or St. You know, it's all the tournaments at this course is how I've kind of combined it. For the last six winners at TPC Southwind, ranked either first or second that week in strokes gained approach. It's always among the upper quadrant in terms of difficulty and getting the ball in the green and regulation. Think about the last few winners we've had here. Daniel Berger, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas. Kind of makes sense. You know, the counter is true about putting. It's less significant on this golf course in terms of determining a winner than usual. Winners here rank about 33% worse in strokes gained putting than the average PGA Tour winner. Mm. So this is a golf course where ball strikers, it, the cream rises. I know it's a euphemism here too often in the sport, but it's going to be true here with the ball strikers at TPC Southwind. They have an inherent advantage. It's more of an iron test than your typical week-to-week on the PGA Tour. Let's look at the odds. Uh, top of the board, uh, I'm seeing three players tied atop the top. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth, each 12-1. to 1. Xander Shoffley in his gold medal at 14. Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas at 18. Daniel Berger, who's played so well here, as you mentioned, uh, alongside Rory McIlroy and uh, poor Louis, who stays in at 20 to 1. Victor Hovland at 28. Webb Simpson at 28. Patrick Cantley at 28. Paul Casey at 28. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 28. Scotty Scheffler at 28. Bryson DeChambeau at 28. And then rounded out in the top, uh, top tier with Hideki Matsuyama at 30 to 1. Uh, all right. Who interests you in that top tier right there? I know there's uh, there's some definite, and, and when I did my research for this, don't laugh at me doing research, Jay Ray. It happens sometimes. Never, um, never, it, of course not. It feels like TPC Southwind is more of a course for horses than other venues out there, if that makes sense. I'm not even sure how to quantify this analytically other than to just show that uh, Dustin Johnson has won here twice, and he has a very solid record. Brooks Kepka has played seven times in Memphis. Four of those times, he's finished in the top three. Daniel Berger has two wins and a share of second place. Phil Mickelson hasn't finished outside the top 12 since 2006 or something like that. I mean, it's been a whole bunch of starts in a row where Phil plays really well. It seems like there are more course horses for TBC Southwind than other spots. So uh, I'm just looking right at the top. My favorite guys are the guys who have played well here before. Let's not overthink this thing. I like DJ. I think there's a nice discounted price on him this week. He's my favorite outright. 18 to one, I think is a really nice number on DJ. I know that he hasn't played his best golf. I know that he uh, looked like he couldn't care less in missing the cut at the 3M Open a few weeks ago. I, I couldn't care less if he couldn't care less. It just doesn't matter that much. I think he's going to come to play at, at some point. I think this could be the week. And I like Brooks Kepka as well. 12 to one, probably not chasing that number in the betting markets, but uh, you know, you just want to take him for a top five, take him for some DFS. Uh, I certainly like that. Yeah, I'm interested in Kepka as well. In his last eight starts, he's either missed the cut or finished in the top six. Guess mm. what? Nobody's missing the cut this week because there is none. So, you know, he, I'm not crazy about betting at the favorites, but he did have a great week at the Open, and he's finished first and T2 here the last couple of years. I'm with you on Dustin Johnson. I think he's a steal at that place on the board. One of two players with a scoring average under 68 at this golf course going back to 2010. He's averaging five and a half birdies or better per round here since 2016. That's a crazy number. It's also best of any player. Of course, he won here in 2018. 
top 10 finish each of the last two times he's played after taking a week off, which is something I like too. So um, yeah, I think Dustin Johnson's a good value. You don't often get to say that because we are often looking at him as the favorite week to week. Um, another guy I like, and he's a little bit more expensive than DJ. You know, he's, I've seen him at 16 at some books, but Jordan Spieth at 12 to one, he only has one finish outside the top 20 since the middle of March. Of a, a story we haven't talked about a lot. He's gone from outside looking into the Ryder Cup to looking like an anchor on the on the American team coming up at Whistling Straits. Finished 12th and 30th through the last two years when he wasn't nearly the player that he's been this season. And then you mentioned Daniel Berger. I'm seeing I've seen him at 22 to one, 20 to one on DraftKings here. Site of his first two PGA Tour victories, he leads all players in strokes gained total at this course since 2015. Also leads in strokes gained tee to green, second in strokes gained approach. You can go on and on with how well he's played on this golf course um, during his career. So um, I think there's value there with Daniel Berger. I'm with you. I think that the course horse theory, it, it fits for me because, look, what's more volatile week to week on the PGA Tour? Putting, obviously. Mm-hmm. Ball striking is more consistent. It carries more weight in terms of what you're going to see week in, week out. This is a course that's more demanding from tee to green, specifically with iron play. And I think that bears out in the guys you've seen successful here over the years. Uh, one more name I'll throw out you, uh, you from that top tier. Uh, I don't know that we're getting Scotty Scheffler at this number for too much longer. I, I just think he's, he's really, really good. And he's going to win something soon. And, and I really like Scotty Scheffler this week as well. I didn't write him up in my preview this week. I just didn't kind of have the room to fit him somewhere. But I, I think Scotty Scheffler is... Um, it's weird to say for a guy who's this young and, you know, still kind of maturing into his career, but he's sort of due. What's he like 19th in the world, 17th in the world. And he hasn't won on the PGA tour yet. It's, it's going to happen very, very soon. Looking at that next tier, uh, I'm kind of putting Abraham answer and Tony Fino just, they're like the same person now. And like, I'm just putting them together until one of them wins, which could be Sunday or it could be five years from now. And I honestly <laughs> don't know which one it is. I, I mean, that. Gotta I'm waiting on that. Two of my favorite guys to watch play, two of my favorite guys to bet on, uh, which explains a lot about my betting tendencies. But the guy who's my favorite in this mid-tier is a guy coming uh, coming off a, a nice week at the Olympics. Joaquin Neiman, I think, is ready to pop as well. Joaquin Neiman is a guy that very much, like we say about Colin Morikawa, about Xander Shoffley, about a lot of other really good ball strikers, hey, if he putts really well, he's going to be right there. And so... Uh, that's a big if, but shot 67-68 on the weekend last year. Didn't start very well, but there's some signs that this could be a golf course that suits his game pretty well this week. So I have a question for you. How much do you take into account these guys going the Tokyo to Tennessee turnaround? And that was a great on-the-fly alliteration by me, by the way. Mm. What's that like? What, what's that? Is that going to be impactful? I know, look. You're not running the risk of a guy missing a cut because there is none. So there might be you know, that fatigue early in the week, maybe setting in. I don't know. I was kind of balancing it back and forth. I'm going to kind of tend to stay away this week from the guys who played in Tokyo simply because it's, you know, you're going back across the world. On the other hand, these guys travel everywhere all the time. So maybe it doesn't make that big of an impact. I'm wondering what you think on that front. So I wrote last week, I put this on Twitter because Patrick Reed had a quote after not really seeing the golf course before the opening round and then going out and shooting three under uh, in the first round saying, you know, I kind of got a feel for it. I kind of just looked around. I saw my shot and I hit it. And, and I think it's something that we in the media that fans out there, observers of the game tend to overrate is first of all, being able to see a golf course. And so maybe some of the guys come back from Tokyo, maybe they go home for 
a day or two and, you know, do some laundry and repack and then go out to Memphis. And so they're not really seeing this golf course again before they get into competition. Maybe some of the guys are a little bit tired, but then, you know, they go back. It's like, I just, I don't feel like it's as big of an issue as it might've been 15, 20, 25 years ago. I think back then, you know, the travel was okay. Maybe it wasn't uh, ridiculously more hard, more difficult than it is right now, but I think it was uh, probably a little tougher and, you know, things were just, I just, I think these guys are so conditioned to just like, where am I? Oh, I woke up and it's Tokyo. Okay, cool. Then I woke up and I'm in Memphis, whatever, let's go hit the golf ball. And it just, I, I don't think it bothers a lot of these guys too much. So uh, especially for DFS purposes, if there are people out there who are staying away from the Olympians because they think they're going to be tired, then I almost feel like I want to be on them a little bit more than the public. Okay. I think there's some value in having some fresh legs. It was a really hot week in Tokyo. I think it might be a little bit draining, but to your point, these guys are so such great condition and, they're used yeah. to traveling everywhere. So just something to keep in mind. One of the guys I like in that mid-range is Matt Fitzpatrick. In two career starts here, he's finished fourth and sixth. He led the field in strokes game putting in this tournament last year. Was the single best single week performance in strokes game putting he's ever had in his career. Tied for second at the Scottish Open a couple starts ago. Decent T26 at the Open. I really like the value of Webb Simpson this week. The last two Ooh. years, he's a combined 21 under par in this tournament. Only Brooks Kepka is better. Runner-up in 2019, tied for 12th last year. He also has a tie for third in this tournament in 2014, coming off a top 20 at the Open. So uh, his metrics this season, not as good as last year where he led the tour in scoring average, but I think that's still a little bit too low. There's some value there for Webb Simpson. I'll give you a few more names uh, a little further down the list. Billy Horschel has finished one and two in his two WGC starts so far this year. He's at 70-1. to one. I like that. Bermuda Burns is back. He's for a first round leader bet. We all know how Sam Burns has played in the first round. He's 80 to one outright, 60 to one uh, for first round leader this week. And two other names, Max Homa. We haven't seen much from Homa recently, but his numbers really dropped 150 to one this week. I like him for a top five, top 10 kind of play. And then Minwoo Lee. Uh, we usually see one guy in these WGCs where it's like, hey, somebody kind of out of nowhere. Last year, Tom Lewis finished in a big group of guys who were big name players in second place. The year before, there really wasn't one at this one, but Aaron Rye was kind of like the, the highest player coming over from the European Tour. If you're looking for a player like that, I, I think that Minwoo Lee could be that guy. We talk about ball striking being big here, and he's a really good ball striker, obviously playing well right now. And his sister, Minji, just won the Evian Championship. So, so he's got to get back one up on her, right? Exactly. Got to win her. Uh, she just won her first major at a huge comeback on Sunday to come back to win. Caught uh, Jung Yoon Lee six. Um, yeah. What do you think of Phil this week? I think he's interesting at 100 to 1. I could really, he's played well here in the past. He's never won at this golf course, but I could see him contending. He ranks fourth in scoring average on this golf course since 2010. Since 2012, only DJ and Daniel Berger have averaged more birdies per round than Phil Mickelson, ranks second in strokes gained putting here since 2013. I think there's some value there in Phil. What do you think? No. No. Not on Phil. All right, fair. Fair. I gave you a litany of reasons there. And you I know. I, I, yeah, no, all those things are really good. I mentioned before, Phil's been terrific here. Uh, I, I see Phil this year, the rest of this year, is very much Tiger in 2019, which was, hey, I got my major. It took everything out of me. It took everything I had to go win that thing. And I've just cooked afterwards. And it doesn't mean you can't play pretty well, but I'm just, I'm staying away from Phil moving forward, but uh, you know, look, the record's there. So I could see. All right. That means you're saying Phil's going to win in October in Japan. Sure. Why not? (laughs) They have another Olympics then. 
No, I don't know. I just throw that out because that's what Tiger did later in the year. But all right. Yeah, well, I don't know. Great course history here. He's way down the board. I don't know. I might I could see him some DFS action. I can, I can see that. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right. Speaking of DFS, let's get to our lineup. Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. All right. Going on DraftKings as we do every week on the gimme as well. Uh, we're going to go back and forth and pick our six player lineup and... Let's see. You go first. Me go first. Okay. Pulling it up here. uh, Let's go with somebody I talked about earlier. Um, I think there's really good value in Webb Simpson this week. You got to go all the way down. 8,500 is a really good price for Webb. I mentioned his uh, 21 under par in this golf term for the last two years. Only Brooks Kepka is better. Finished runner up in 2019. Let's go with Webb Simpson to kick us off at 8,500. I think we can get a bunch of guys that we both like right around that average salary right there. And uh, I'm going to do another guy that's right below him. I mentioned I like Joaquin Neiman at 8,400. I think he's a really strong play this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, one of the more – I'm kind of back and forth on this next player. You know, I think there's a high upside to Will Zalatoris this week, but I'm not sure I want to take him because the uncertainty coming off the withdrawal with his injury – but I'm, I'm, I'm liking that range that we were talking about. You said there's going to be some value in that mid-range, not too expensive, not off the charts. I told you how much I like Matt Fitzpatrick. He's had two starts here in this golf tournament previously, finished fourth and sixth in those two events, led the field in strokes gained putting here last year. Two years ago was top 10 in both strokes gained putting and strokes gained tee to green. Really like that stat. 8,800 for Matt Fitzpatrick. I'll put him on the board. All right, so – Another guy that I mentioned, I think he might get overlooked a little bit this week just because uh, Patrick Cantley is 9,300. He's always uh, somewhat of a favorite. Daniel Berger, we mentioned, has a great record, 9,200. Paul Casey uh, coming off a uh, tie for third place at the Olympics, we'll put it that way, uh, 9,000. Tony Finau, 8,900. Those guys are all like there's viable reasons to take any of those guys. And so Scotty Scheffler sitting there in between all of them at 9,100 might go a little bit overlooked. I think that a lot of people, 
that's a tough price for Scheffler. I feel like that 8,500, 8,600, which doesn't sound a whole lot different. I think Scheffler gets 5%, you know, 6% more uh, plays on him this week than at 9,100, where I think people can say, ah, Daniel Berger is only $100 more. I'll just pay up for Berger instead of, uh, instead of taking Scheffler. So I think Scheffler could be a nice, uh, not low owned, but not quite as highly owned as he would have been if he was priced a little bit lower kind of play this week. Yeah, sure. Added value based on the perception, possibly. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to a guy you mentioned. I had him written down before you mentioned it, playing in just his second WGC. It's only his third PGA Tour event in the United States. But really good ball striking numbers this season from Minwoo Lee on the European Tour. Top 25 in greens and regulation on the European Tour this season. On a golf course, TPC Southwind that's rewarded good iron play. He's got good strokes, strokes gained tee to green numbers on the European Tour. 6200 is a really good price, and then we can get one of those big dogs with the rest of our money. Minwoo Lee, 6200 I'm putting him on the team. Leaves me 9000 Some of the guys I just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, I like Tony Finau. I'm not sure I necessarily love him this week. Paul Casey, look at what Paul Casey's done, and I mentioned it. He got into that playoff for the bronze this past week at the Olympics. Before that, 15th in the Open Championship. Only, and I say only because of what happened before it, but 36 of the travelers before that seventh, the U S open sixth, the European open fourth of the PGA championship, 21st of the Valspar before that was fifth of the players, 10th of the API fifth at pebble 12th of the Saudi one, the Dubai desert classic eighth at the Amex. I mean, his record is fantastic this year. I think we're overlooking how great Paul Casey has played in his forties this year. The only player on the PGA Tour this season averaging more strokes gain approach per round than Paul Casey is Colin Morikawa. And we hmm. talked about how valuable iron play is on this golf course. I think I just sealed the deal there with that stat for you to make that pick. I was going to take him anyway, but okay. All right, well, That's I'm giving bonus. myself a, this is a modicum of credit. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a credit. Paul Casey, <laughs> Matt Fitzpatrick, Minwoo Lee, Joaquin Neiman, Scotty Scheffler, Webb Simpson. I, I like that lineup a lot, as we do every week before the tournament actually starts. Uh, Justin, uh, great job this week. That situation. Great being back with you again, by the way, dude. Uh, it's been a while, so good to be back in the saddle here. Yeah, of course. I mean, you need your time off, get you well rested, well fed and watered, and you know, get you ready for the FedEx Cup playoffs, man. I, I made an ace this week, so I'm more than watered. I can tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> and, and oh, by the way, just in case you have forgotten since the beginning of this podcast, as we alluded to the last few weeks, we are moving this golf show to its own podcast feed effective immediately if you want to keep listening to me and jay ray well of course you do break down tournaments every week the new podcast is called links and locks finding the feed is easy just go to the new apple podcast link in this episode's description that'll let you follow the all new links and locks podcast for our new betting episode starting next week or just search links and locks wherever you like to listen on behalf of justin myself and our producer matt mitchell our esteemed producer Matt Mitchell. He didn't write esteemed when he wrote these notes for me, but I'm throwing that in there. Thanks so much to everybody for listening, for helping us grow every single week. We appreciate you so much. Hope we can keep entertaining you on the Links and Locks podcast starting next week. Very excited about that, Jay Ray. Absolutely. Love the name. Love the confidence going into it. Let's keep it going, man. For Justin Ray, the 21st group, I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks to everybody for listening. Good luck with all your bets for the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational this week. Here's hoping you guys hit the green. Man.